The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. The latest trends and hottest topics, love and sex, handled honestly and with passion. Here's Dr. Lori, CJAD 800. Welcome to Passion. This is a show about love, sex, and relationships. Tonight, I answer your questions the entire hour. 514-800 to text in. You can call in at 514-790-0800. Of course, some people have sent me emails, and that's okay, too. Lori at drlori.com. But before I get into uh, your questions, I just want to share a little something, and maybe you could help me out here. I don't know how this works. I don't know. Uh, so I have a YouTube channel, which I don't use much, and I've posted some videos up there. But recently, just last week, I posted a video. I did an interview with um, a trans woman by the name of Steph Sanyadi, who is a big YouTube, like huge YouTuber. She's, since the age of 12, has been documenting her transition. So we did a lovely interview, you know, documentary style, asked about her life and uh, asked about her uh, her transitions and, and how she feels and how her parents have felt. And uh, it was like 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of talk uh, with her. And yesterday I get a message, an email from YouTube that says that I'm, that my, um, video was flagged for review and that when they reviewed it, they determined that it, it says it violates our guidelines. We've removed it from YouTube and assigned a community guidelines strike. So I'm penalized from uh, YouTube. It says we don't allow content that encourages illegal activities or incites users to violate YouTube's guidelines. The only depictions of such activities that we may allow need to be educational or documentary in nature and shouldn't be designed to help or encourage others to imitate them. That's part of what they wrote. So I don't understand. Like, I, somebody help me understand. Like, uh, There's so much sexual content on YouTube, and I thought mine was, like, this video was pretty tame. And the implication is somehow that I'm encouraging or inciting people to imitate what? Somebody who's transitioning to um, going through operations and and, and, uh, transitioning? I'm really, really confused and pissed. Like, I'm upset. This this doesn't make any sense to me. So if it makes sense to anybody else, please uh, let me know. Or if this has ever happened to you or you know anything about this, I'm reaching out, so uh, let me know what you think. 514-800, or you can call in at 514-790-0800. Any questions you have about love, sex, and relationships? Uh, Here's one. Uh, I'm 21 years old, and I've never had sex before. Will it affect me in any way, or can it make cause some damage? So choosing abstinence is uh, is perfectly okay. That is a, a choice that we make, personal choice, religious, based on religious choice, values, whatever it is. If you uh, choose abstinence, then uh, good for you. 
So not having sex is not going to damage you in any way. And frankly, um, we're all much better off waiting until we feel ready to have sex and that we, especially a young person, can handle the emotional and uh, physical consequences of sex. And that's something to think about uh, for young people when they are considering or asking the question, like, when is it a right time uh, to have sex or as a parent, if you ever get questions from your own kids about, uh, having, when is the right time to have sex, like have that conversation about what is it to be responsible for one's choices and what are the possible consequences of the choices that are made. And by the way, in every, in, in all the, um, sex education curriculum and stuff that we have here, um, <clears throat> you are, we do talk about abstinence. That is definitely part of the conversation. I know that we get a lot of flack, anybody who's in the educational field, uh, in, in sexual health education, that uh, they're afraid that educators are teaching kids how to have sex, or to, but not uh, talking about abstinence, and that is just not true. Abstinence is one of those uh, choices. Uh, so someone responded to my YouTube uh, query. Someone reported you on YouTube. Would they, what are they going to report me for? What would they report me for? Would it be somebody who is against trans rights? Would it be someone like, I, I wonder, and do they, every time somebody reports, they take you off of there? Like, how does that, how does that work? See, when you're dealing with sexuality and when you're dealing with a hot button tissue, a hot button issue like this or taboo issues and it's worldwide like we're protected here in Canada but outside of here where we are far more uh, open to discussing uh, sexuality and and the proof is certainly in the pudding here we've been on the air for almost 20 years talking about sexuality every night so are we are far more tolerant than many other places uh, even in North America and and clearly on earth. And I guess because of the internet and it's worldwide and everybody has access to you, somebody is not going to be happy with what you say, with what you present, with what you teach, with what you preach, with whatever, whatever it is. It's too bad. It's too bad. But there are people who want to to silence uh, people who are in the field of sexual uh, health education or just plain old sexual health or wanting to talk about sexuality. Uh, so that's it. Oh, somebody's writing in. I guess you listened to last night's show about uh, seasonal affective disorder. Children are also happy in winter because they drink more milk than adults. One cup of milk contains 45% of vitamin D. We were talking about uh, seasonal affective disorder and how come kids don't seem to be as affected. And of course, one person said, well, they get outdoors a whole lot more. That's true. We spend most of our time indoors uh, during the workday. And, um, and they do drink more milk than adults. So there you go. Uh, YouTube has been demonizing and striking a lot of LGBTQ positive videos. Aha! So how do we fight that? What do we do? That makes me very sad, very, very sad that YouTube is targeting LGBTQ positive videos. And this was one of those. It, it wasn't positive nor negative. It was just, it was what it was. It was an interview with someone who I thought was, a, was brave, courageous, wise, uh, a really 
a wonderful uh, young woman who happened to go through a transition and had suffered greatly in her life uh, to get to that point. Uh, but anyhow, uh, on YouTube, if you get any sort of report, your videos are taken down and often demonized, demonetized. You have to appeal to them and have somebody actually look at your video and decide if it's actually against their terms and if it can go against advertising terms. It can be reinstating without monetization. I don't even understand the whole monetization thing, really. I just put, put stuff up there because it's educational. No idea what the rest is. <laughs> like, I am uh, unfortunately not that... Um, clued in yet to all this. I have a lot to learn when it comes to all this new technology, but I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to get the message out there. Uh, anyway, I'll keep you posted and let you know if it's, uh, if it's up on there. It's too bad though. Really too bad. Uh, my fiance claims she was bisexual before we got together and she has these two friends who I know would be cool with a three or maybe even a four way and they have all had them before, separately, not with each other. Anyway, when I asked her for one, she didn't get mad, but she shot it down fast. Is there any way I can bring this back up to her that will allow her to put some actual thought into it? Uh, clearly, you want uh, um, to engage in this fantasy of yours, but frankly, it's never a good idea to pressure a partner into doing something that they don't want to or aren't ready to do. And just because someone claims or claimed to be bisexual does not mean that she wants or needs to have a threesome with another woman. You brought it up. She knows you're interested. She said, no, let it rest. If she wants to, she will let you know. She knows you're interested. She will let you know. The more you push her, the less likely that's going to happen. Uh, coming up, I'm going to answer a question about uh, a bit of a taboo subject, um, fisting, basically. It might gross you out, but uh, we'll talk about it nonetheless. Relationships on the line. Connect with Dr. Lori now. 514-790-0800. Passion. News Talk Radio. CJAD 800. Your questions answered uh, tonight about sex, love, relationships. 514-800. <coughs> Excuse me. Or 514-790-0800. And by the way, I welcome your comments, additions to anything I'm talking about, saying uh, calling me out on stuff, all good. Please, uh, please share. And this, uh, this texter did just that. And, uh, let me read that to you in regards to the text you just read. The fiance is still bisexual just because they're in a heterosexual passing or a lesbian passing relationship does not make them not bisexual anymore. Not being interested in a threesome or foursome does not negate somebody's bisexuality. I'm sorry, but I'm very tired of bi erasure. I, I'm in full agreement with you, and, and I should have extended that a little bit more and talked a little bit more about bisexuality. But in this case, he's making the assumption that because his fiance said to him, hey, I'm bisexual, that she should want to have uh, a threesome or moresome or what have you with her girlfriends, these other girlfriends that, that uh, also are bisexual. And that's an assumption being made. So it's, of course she's still bisexual and 
choosing to be in a heterosexual relationship at this point, since she can be attracted to both or may be able to fall in love with both, but at this time she has chosen to be with him, um, doesn't change the fact that she's bisexual. Her orientation is her orientation. But he's making the assumption that this uh, should mean that she would want to have sex with women still. Maybe she has decided that that she wants to be monogamous. I, mean, I don't know enough of, of the backstory, obviously. Um, and maybe she's simply not interested in, in sharing him or having sex with more than just her partner, period. So it, it's an interesting, the assumptions that people make of people who um, are bisexual. Thank you for that. Thank you for pointing that out. Very, uh, very important. 514-800 to text in. Okay, I'm going to talk about something now. I got this email. Some people will find it uh, quite taboo. Some people may have never heard of it, but this is something that does happen. So I, I'm going to talk about it. I'm messaging you because I am a person who is very into fisting. I've introduced two women to it who seem to love me fisting them. That said, I feel like there's so very little information out there about how to begin stretching their vaginas and or anuses. I would truly appreciate to have an open conversation on such a niche taboo subject. I believe that people need to be educated in what fisting and stretching is all about, how to safely go about it, how to achieve the best results, and how to keep everyone clean. So how best to clean the rectum and how to prevent vaginal infections. I sincerely hope this topic has the chance to be brought into the spotlight in a non-negative fashion. I'm going to try that, uh, and I do thank you for bringing up a taboo subject, and this is a show where we don't, we don't shy away from taboo subjects, so if this is something that makes you squeamish or what have you, just walk away for a few minutes, and, and that's it. So the practice of fisting basically refers to the act of inserting an entire hand or fist into either a vagina or an anus. Generally, it is this is something that is seen as a form of more extreme sexual practice. If this is something that you are introducing into your sexual practice, you must, must go uh, slow and you must have a lot of communication, verbal communication. There has to be an openness and honesty within the relationship. To, be do, to do that, you have to be able to feel safe. You have to have comfort with your own body, comfort with your partner's body. When you talk about stretching, the receiver of that, um, of fisting, may want to try, first of all, to use varying sizes of dilators or dildos on their own. Um, whether they're just doing it for exploratory, masturbatory, whatever it is, in order to be able to uh, stretch the tissue. This doesn't come without any potential problems, by the way. So I'm just talking about how to, if this is something you're doing, to practice it safely. Cleaning prior to and after is also really important because you don't want bacteria, you don't want other organisms to enter into uh, the body and uh, some people use enemas um, they use these uh, like anal douches basically 
to clean the anal canal also so they're more uh, comfortable with that so that there's no fecal matter and and what have you and again uh, lessens the chance of bacterial infection but this all takes time this takes patience this is not something you just do Uh, just you decide one day and do it can take weeks months to get to the point of that kind of uh, insertion. Of course, the receiver of any type of insertion uh, needs to be able to relax their vaginal muscles, to uh, relax their uh, anal muscles as well when, when this is happening. So breathing techniques, focusing on body, focusing on the breath, all of that, using a ton of uh, lube when you feel you are ready using a lube that is a more silicone based because it's slipperier even wearing latex gloves is going to make this um, easier and and better so for those whose this is their thing most people would never practice this and do not it is considered one of those taboo practices nobody wants to talk about but it does happen uh, I can assure you it does happen. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I, was try- I wasn't trying to call you out. I know you weren't trying to call me out. You were just trying to point it out. It's just a fact that the text or the texter said his fiance was bisexual past tense. That's true. As though her declining group sex makes her straight. Your friend does, uh, does not make you not bisexual. I would not have sexual relations with any of my girlfriends, even though I'm into girls. Uh, no, I didn't take it badly. I didn't. Uh, it's not that you called me out. I'm glad that you added to whatever I had to say, actually. Very good. Uh, what can you tell us about people who can't let love you wrote live in but love in I was just dumped by this kind of person and she constantly said I never really loved anyone she had two drunks as a husband boyfriend in the past with some abuse however in the end I felt I was being used abused because she never was able to express her feelings and she admitted that she'd never feel the way I feel for her I admit I was in love with her thanks you know when someone tells you that they don't they can't let people in they can't let love in meaning they can't they don't want to connect they don't want to be vulnerable uh it could be someone who's been hurt a lot in the past who has had a um, difficulty in childhood uh, if you look at um, attachment theory people who have um ha- are anxiously or insecurely attached with their uh, caregivers in childhood meaning that they did not have available parenting that their needs weren't being met that they felt abandoned that uh, and that could be by somebody by a parent who was either absent because of alcoholism or just not able to meet the child's needs, they develop into somebody who has a a style of attachment. So attaching to other people that could be very anxious or very insecure. And so they don't let people in. They protect themselves. They don't want to be vulnerable because of a, a, a deep fear of abandonment. This is something they may not understand themselves. This is what we do in therapy. We, we dig and we, um, we look at the context of someone's life and where they grew up and how they evolved and why they are having these difficulties. Clearly, she has patterns. She's had two, as you say, two drunks as a husband or like two really toxic relationships. 
and here you are, the nice guy, uh, I'm assuming, um, and she can't handle that part. That she doesn't know. So uh, it's not familiar to her. It scares her, most likely, uh, based on all of that, um, all of that, that past. So it's not about you, it's about her, really. And sure, when you're in a relationship with someone like that, you could start to feel abused uh, because you would start to feel neglected. You would feel like they're not expressing, they're not letting you in. And it feels sometimes like you are knocking your head against the, against the wall, basically trying, knocking on the door and knocking, 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 and nobody is letting you in. And here you are expressing all of your feelings and not getting it, uh, returned. So there in, in a situation like that, it can feel quite, uh, toxic and unbalanced and really not healthy. So someone like that really should be in therapy, especially when they start to realize, Hey, there's a pattern of relationships I have here and they're not so healthy. And the common denominator is me. It's not luck. It's me. So, uh, looking into that would be important. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, coming up, talking, uh, somebody who seems to be quite sexually lost. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. sex out loud and you're welcome to listen in passion on cjad 800 your questions answered tonight on the program 514-800 to text in or call in 514-790-0800 you can also email me during the week laurie at drlaurie.com l-a-u-r-i-e at d-r-l-a-u-r-i-e.com this is one I got by email. Right now, I feel the most sexually confused in my life. I used to enjoy sex normally, but after I've, I entered a two-year relationship, shortly after another two-year relationship, before that, I seemed to have lost almost all of my sexual feelings. I had an abortion about one year ago. After that, I only had sex about once every two weeks to over a month. Initially, this was partly due to fear of another pregnancy, temporary pain from after the abortion, and tension from him always asking me for sex daily and telling him no. It's putting a huge damper on my relationship. I cannot force myself to want to have sex. I am bisexual and I've felt that way since I was a preteen, but now I'm starting to feel more attraction towards women than I have before. I question if maybe I'm more than bisexual, but I know that being bisexual, it is not uncommon to feel this feeling of swaying and confusion between possible sexualities. But I also very rarely feel horny or sexual. I generally don't like sex or anything like that anymore unless I'm alone. I'm confused if these are asexual qualities. My boyfriend sometimes questions if I am asexual. I don't know. I feel little to no sexual attraction to people. I don't enjoy sex, but also I am unsure if this is because of how often he used to pressure me into having sex or if I feel this way because of the abortion, if it's because of stress from college and work or if my sexuality is changing. I'm just confused and I have a hard time talking to him about these things and have no one to talk to about this. <clears throat> so I see two, two different issues here. 
The first one is sexual desire, and the next one that you talk about is sexual orientation. So sexual desire is definitely something that can change over time and over context. Uh, even, I mean, sexual orientation can be fluid as well, so don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it doesn't mean there's anything uh, wrong with you. It just means you have to figure out what is affecting, what is influencing that low desire. And it could be a combination of many factors, many of which you mentioned. You said you had an abortion. Have you fully dealt with that? Have you talked through that? Have you worked through the, the feelings of it? Maybe it's causing you some uh, sexual anxiety. What about the context of being in a relationship where sex feels like a chore? This You're talking about pressure. Pressure leads to avoidance and aversion towards sex. So this could be a reason. Frankly, this is something that has to be discussed with your partner, or if your partner just is not hearing you, you need to find a therapist who can help you communicate this to him or to, for both of you to go into, uh, into therapy. You talk about masturbation. That's a good sign because that's a good indication of sexual desire. Uh, some people may be having more uh, self pleasuring than, than intercourse, for example. But this tells you a little bit, or at least it tells me, that this is more of a partner issue and not necessarily just a you issue. Regarding the orientation, asexuality is now seen as a distinct sexual orientation where there's just an absence of sexual feelings and sexual desire. Not necessarily romantic, though. That's uh, that's interesting uh, distinction, uh, and but the important part here is that with asexuals there is little distress. In other words, they're not bothered by it. There's no anxiety about uh, about that experiencing that low desire. It's just part of of who they are and how they uh, see themselves. So often it's the partner who feels more distressed by it. So I would ask you, who is distressed? Is it you or is it him? Um, so you have to, this is something that you, you need to, to ask yourself, are, are, are you, are you bothered by, by any of this? Right. Uh, and this is why it's important to find a therapist to help you sort out your feelings, help you put your relationship into perspective as well. Is this a healthy relationship for you? Um, and try, just try to unpack all of these feelings that are going on inside of you. So having a, a, a third party to talk to or an outsider who's objective can be really, really helpful in giving you perspective, a different perspective. It's like when you look in the mirror every day, every day you look at yourself, you often don't see yourself anymore. You don't really look. And when you present in front of a, an objective a person who where you can talk openly about sexuality, you'll see that you get a, a, a new vision, a new way. Uh, let me answer some questions here on the text. Um, I have a question. Do, the, does the recipient of fisting, do they ever experience constipation again? So uh, it, there, that is the risk of um, like bowel incontinence, fecal incontinence is definitely a risk of uh, overstretching the anus for sure. But this person that had written in was actually talking about vaginal fisting. 
So where uh, he was doing this to girlfriends uh, vaginally. So it, that's uh, very, very different. Of course, the vagina is far stretchier than an anus. It bounces back, whereas the anus can stretch and uh, you, it may be more difficult to regain uh, sphincter control uh, over time. The problem is like th- there are studies that that talk about fecal incontinence, but there's I don't remember what the percentage was exactly of how many people suffer from this. And they did see that people who engaged in anal intercourse, so fisting would be one of those things, um, were more likely to develop uh, fecal incontinence, but they didn't, what they didn't specify was how often, like, is it somebody who has anal intercourse every once in a while or all the time or three times a week? So it wasn't clear from the research, uh, what it is. So it's hard to, it's hard to even answer that really. Uh, after an orgasm, my girlfriend gets violent headaches in the region of, of her forehead. It only lasts five minutes or so. Is this common? <clears throat> yes, this is an, uh, basically a, a sex headache. They're, they're rather common, believe it or not. Uh, I have talked to uh, quite a few people who develop these like intense headaches, almost feels like your brain's going to burst out of there. So if you're someone who regularly gets these uh, sex headaches, it usually happens with it, with arousal. Uh, it, you might want to take a couple of Tylenol a little bit before engaging in sexual activity. Actually, that might be, uh, but that might be useful. They can be very, very scary because it can feel like you're having an aneurysm. Like that's how intense the headache is. But once you stop the arousal and it it just, uh, it, it does only take a few minutes for it to, uh, to go away. So it's nothing to worry about. It's all about the vasocongestion and the, um, the, the, uh, the blood vessels opening up, um, <clears throat> and opening, closing. So it's not something you really have to worry about if it's only related to the sexuality. Um, but if it happens like regularly, well, first of all, it's something that I would tell, let, let your doctor in on, frankly, uh, if it happens to you regularly, I would just want to check blood flow and things like that. Um, but I can't tell you right off the bat what it could be related to. Like we we don't really know why some people get them and other people don't as far as, uh, as far as I know. Uh, let's see. I've got a couple of questions here. Some of them a bit longer, so I may uh, just wait before I, I start that. But if you have any questions for me, uh, you can send them in by text at 514-800. If you want to call in, you have a direct line to me at 514-790-0800. And during the week, every, at the beginning of every show, I do answer your questions. So send them in uh, so that I don't, it's just trying to deal with the overflow of questions. And I want to make sure that you get the help that you want and that you need and your questions answered. So it's important for me that, that that happens. So feel free to uh, connect with me via email during the week, uh, Lori at drlori.com. <laughs>
all-inclusive. Passion with Dr. Lori. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. All right, time for a few more questions answered here on Passion, a show all about love, sex, and relationships. It's Trouble Tuesdays, the night I reserve to answer questions the whole uh, show from uh, 10 to 11. I suffer from major depressive disorder. My friend and I are interested in each other romantically. However, we're both hesitant to start a relationship because he is also depressed. I'm medicated and treated, however, he isn't. Our friendship and flirting tends to lift both our moods, but we are both afraid that if our relationship changes, we would end up in a cycle where we, we are feeding off each other's depression and end up just spiraling. Our friends are very much pressuring us to hook up, despite both of us being disinterested in sex, and neither of us is entirely opposed to the idea. How can we approach the situation and tell our friends to bug off while we figure it out between both of us? Well, you tell them, bug off while we figure it out. Leave us alone. That's uh, the first thing. The So something else here. It's nice that you have found somebody who understands. So somebody who is, uh, is going through similar um, uh, similar uh, mental health issues that you are certainly understands where you're coming from. What's important is that you each have your own support network. So in terms of feeding off each other, I, if you each have a support network, like you, you're both in therapy or you have a therapist you can talk to, or you're, you, you're being treated, there's less of a chance of feeding off of that if you become each other's therapist, then it be, it can certainly become um, a problem. I'm not sure it's such a bad thing. Like, the, first of all, both of you are not interested in sex, and that's a result of the depression, usually, or the medication for the depression. But that doesn't stop you from having a romantic relationship or an intimate relationship. It doesn't have to be sexual, but it can certainly be really nice. Now you can leave it as, as friends, close friends, live together friends, however you want to call it. You can still enjoy closeness with a, a person, uh, without it having to be defined in any particular way. Um, Often people say, oh yeah, it's about the hooking up or the having sex. But what if that's not part of it? What if two people get together and they're both not interested in sex, but they're both interested in all the other things that a relationship has to offer? Well, that's a, that's a win-win in that situation, right? Because you're both feeling uh, the same way. So I would also what's your history like? Like, do you tend to feed off other people? Like when you say that, what does that really mean? Uh, and another thing that you could do too, even as a couple to help you, uh, so that that doesn't happen is to help you communicate better, uh, when things are rough or when you need something or, um, like just so that, this kind of cycle, uh, doesn't happen or this kind of spiraling doesn't happen. You can go into couple counseling together just to get help for this, for someone who understands that. Uh, I hope that that's a, a bit helpful. I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not sure, but, uh, anyway, I've been with my wife for seven years and I find myself wondering what it would be like to be with a man, and I'm not sure what I want. I like to get my prostate massaged, 
and wonder what it would be like if I were to be with another guy. I'm attracted to my wife, but would like to try different things. What should I do? So I'm not sure why the two are related. Often people do this, like when they think about prostate massage or anal play or anal intercourse, they think gay. And that's not the case. So I'm wondering if, is that what you're doing? Thinking that you want your prostate massaged, you want anal play, and you're making the jump or the connection to having sex with a guy. Are you attracted to men? Do you fantasize about men as well? Like there's other things to consider here because you can ask your wife to uh, massage your prostate as well. You may ask her if she want if you if you want to try penetration. You can start with butt plugs and have that in, included in your sex play. You can have her wear a strap on, uh, which is uh, basically a, a, a strap with a, a dildo attached to it that she wears to penetrate you. If that's a possibility, you can massage the prostate through the perineum, the uh, section between the anus and the um, and the scrotum. Uh, you could do that too. By by, she can do that by putting pressure on there. So it's about opening up the conversation with her about anal play. Uh, you may want to try different things, and that's fine. A lot of people in in long term relationships want to try different things, but trying different things with your partner if the rule of your relationship is monogamy. So if your partner is, if you're both in an open relationship where you can experiment outside of the relationship, that's fine if you've agreed upon that together. But if not, then you try to find new and exciting things you can do together. So having a conversation with your wife about some things that you'd like to try with her rather than telling her you want to try having sex with a guy, uh, which may not go over so well with her, but at least get the sexual stimulation that you're seeking. Uh, that's okay. And, and you should have, be able to have a conversation with her about this. Um, my husband and I uh, had several threesomes three years ago. And since then, the only way he becomes aroused is to mention it. Is this normal? Well, it's, it's his go-to. So to become aroused, uh, he's using fantasy. He wants to talk about it. It stimulates it. It gets him going further. If it's the only way he becomes aroused, um, and it's troubling you or it's troubling him, then we could talk about that and maybe pick it apart and see, uh, see what it is. But often people can, are, are big on these, are big on fantasies. Like they need fantasies in order to, um, to get aroused. And sometimes in long-term relationships, we may need to, augment, you know, with a little bit of fantasy. It doesn't mean that our partner is not attracted to us and it doesn't mean any of those things, uh, but it might mean that they just need more or want, want something more. So, uh, and people often fantasize about things they've experienced. So obviously it was a very positive experience, uh, for him. I don't know if it was as positive for you. Uh, and so he uses that as his fuel, 
uh, just like, for example, somebody who really gets going when you talk dirty to them or some other form of arousal that they want. I'm not sure, is it a necessity or is it just, this is my ultimate like this is what will do it for me. This is what gets me going the best. And so this is my go-to. To me, there's a, there's a difference. Could he have sex without talking about that and just focusing on your body and his body and, and, and all of that? So those are some of the questions that, uh, that I would have. I think that's about it. I'll have to leave uh, some questions for tomorrow evening. So if you do have questions, I'm happy to answer them anytime, anytime during the week. Lori at drlori.com is the email address you should send them to, or at the beginning of every show, just send in uh, your texts at 514-800. Thanks so much for spending your precious time uh, with me and our technical producer as well, Brian Callistar. Thank you for taking care of everything on the other side of the glass. Do appreciate it. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or my website, drlori.com. Coming up next on CJD, it is the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.